The Alchemical Tech Revolution is sponsored by Anchor. Anchor by Spotify. That's anchor.fm. Hi folks, this is Wayne McCroy, host of the Alchemical Tech Revolution podcast. I'm here to tell you tonight about Anchor. Anchor is one of the best podcast distribution apps out there. Uh, They offer various ways to create, distribute, and monetize your podcast all for free, and they have some of the best built-in uploading, recording, and editing tools available in the industry. From start to finish, they can help you to set up your podcast. So if you are interested in starting a podcast, check out anchor.fm. Or if you are already a podcaster and you're looking for distribution solutions for your podcast, check out anchor.fm. Come with me.
Listening to the Alchemical Tech Revolution, and I am your host, Wayne McCroy. Good evening, everyone. Tonight we're going to discuss synthetic initiation. What are we talking about, synthetic initiation? Well, we're going to discuss what it is that these secret society groups teach about initiation, what they believe initiation is. We're going to identify what a true initiation really is, and we're going to take apart the narrative that is sold to us by these secret occult organizations that in order to have a proper initiation or to have proper understanding or grasp of the occult sciences, you need to have this initiation through the brotherhood or through these various secret orders under their very many guises and names. And this is simply not true, as we will demonstrate here tonight. Tonight I'm going to be reading from a book by Rudolf Steiner called An Outline of Occult Science. And we're going to explore some ideas that we've talked about here in the past, and we're going to further expound upon those ideas, and we're going to get into the meat of the matter as to what exactly do they mean when they're talking about initiation in these various secret occult organizations. What is it? Where does it come from? When did the idea originate? And how does one actually undergo this process? So they, they seem to hold this idea of initiation in high regard. And this is something that is based upon some various teachings here that go way back. But it's also something that's been inverted and perverted by these secret mystery schools and the, the secret societies that brought forward these ideas into something that it was not intended originally to be. And as we explore that idea, we'll see that many of the rituals that they manage to pull off today are a type of an initiatory process, but it's one that steers the mind towards the darker side of initiation, of the darker side of these things. So we're going to explore the ideas here, and uh, hopefully we could garner some better insight into what initiation is, what it's become, what it was intended to be originally, and we'll explore the fact of the matter that you don't need to join one of these stupid, silly, secret groups to have any kind of uh, knowledge of the occult sciences or of these various alchemical sciences that go back thousands upon thousands of years. You can explore through your own study. You don't need to go through the initiatory process, as the secret schools tell you. They would prefer you not do that, in fact. That's one thing that they are completely against. Why is that? Well, we'll explore these ideas a little further. Let's get directly into the reading, and as I said... We're reading from An Outline of Occult Science by Rudolf Steiner. And we're going to go to page 300, 
Chapter 5, The Perception of Higher Worlds, and it says in parentheses, Concerning Initiation. At his present stage of development, man ordinarily lives between birth and death in three conditions of the soul, those of waking, of sleeping, and again, between these two, in that of the dream state. It is my intention to allude briefly to this latter state in a subsequent portion of this book. Going to pause for a second there, folks. I don't know how far into this we'll get tonight, but this is an avenue of thought we've explored before, too. The idea of the dream state and how it's an important idea in the various occult philosophies. But uh, we'll just stray away from that for now and get back to the reading. We may explore a little further into that topic on another night again. For the present, however, we will content ourselves with taking a survey of life under its two chief alternating conditions, those of waking and sleeping. Cognizance of higher worlds is obtained by man when, in addition to sleeping and waking, he attains to yet a third soul state. While awake, the soul is given up, as it were, to the impressions of the senses, and to such concepts as are excited by sense impressions. During sleep, however, not only is sense impression latent, but the soul itself loses its consciousness, the events of the day being merged in an ocean of unconsciousness. Let us now imagine that the soul might become conscious during sleep, even if sense impressions were absent, as is the case under conditions of deep sleep. Even the memory of the day's happenings would not be present, Yet, would the soul then find itself in a state of vacuity? Would it be incapable of having any experiences? This is a question that can only be answered if the conditions under discussion can actually be set up. If the soul is capable of experiencing anything, even when sense experience and recollection of such experiences are lacking, then would that soul, for so far as the external world is concerned, be asleep, and yet the soul would not be asleep, but awake to an actual world? This is a condition of consciousness which can be brought about by those who follow the directions given them by occult science and who apply the same to their soul's experience. And everything the soul may communicate about those worlds which transcend the senses has been discovered under similar conditions of consciousness. Going to pause for a moment there, folks. So, essentially, what Steiner's telling us is, in this state of consciousness that we call sleep, well, our physical body is unconscious, and we don't have those sensory impressions from the physical body. We don't have the memories in the physical brain accessed of the the day. Even though that's the case, What he's saying here is your soul consciousness awakes when your physical consciousness goes asleep. So you do have experiences in outside realms while you sleep, according to the teachings here. So that being the case, it may not be exactly how we would think of it, because we're so used to experiencing the world through our senses in the physical conscious state here that uh, perhaps it's it's hard to describe what 
the soul consciousness would remember and retain and how that process works. So let's continue reading here and see what else Steiner has to say about this. But he says, this is a major important fact in occult science. Now, as we've discussed before, there's really no way to really prove or disprove any of this. So it does have to be taken with a grain of salt. But keep in mind, it seems logical on the face of it. And we do have provable altered states of consciousness where we do have experiences. So is it possible that uh, when you're asleep and your sensory perceptions are cut off from the physical world, you don't have these sensations, you could still have some kind of an experience? Well, I think that seems logical, but let's continue reading. In the foregoing portions of this book, certain communications have been made as to the higher worlds. And in the following pages, as much as may be said in such a book, will be told as to the means by which the condition of consciousness requisite for such studies may be acquired. Only in one way does this state of consciousness resemble that of sleep, and this is in the fact that owing it to all inward activity of the senses ceases, and all thoughts, such as might be aroused by the action of the senses, likewise vanish. But whereas in ordinary sleep the soul is without the power requisite for conscious experience, it is this very power that the aforesaid state of consciousness is to place in its possession. And by its aid, capacity is given to the soul that will enable it to be alive to such experiences as, under the ordinary conditions of life, can be brought about only by the action of the senses. The awakening of the soul to such a higher state of consciousness is called initiation. And I'm going to pause for a moment there, folks. Initiation. This higher state of consciousness is called initiation. So the claim is here that the true definition of what initiation is, is when you are able to achieve this awakening of your soul, and when you pass the threshold of sleep into that dreamlike state, you have conscious recollection of your experiences in that dream state, all while your physical senses are shut off, and your physical impressions in your brain of your daily experiences here in the physical world are shut off. Your soul soars to other higher realms, higher worlds, and has experiences. And this is what they claim here is initiation. This is the true meaning of initiation. Now, what do the secret society groups claim? Well, you go through this initiatory rite, and you know you're part of the big club. They put you through these different ceremonies, and, you know, they give you a pat on the back, show you the secret handshake, and send you on your way, and you swear your allegiance to the Brotherhood. You make blood oaths, swearing you won't reveal their secrets, and you go about as a dupe for the Order, doing what they will you to do, voting in the way they want you to vote, supporting the businesses they want you to support, and doing the work that they want you to do, all while dangling this carrot in front of you and saying, oh, you're an initiate. You're initiated. You're part of the order. You're part of the big club. You are one of the chosen. (laughs) See, you're one of the few. You get it. You understand. And here you are. So you're learning. You're growing. 
and you're not one of the profane now. But they don't tell you anything whatsoever about this awakening of soul, this state of being uh, consciously aware of other worlds. Now, maybe there's some kernel of truth to this idea, or maybe there's not. Maybe this is just another carrot that they dangle in front of you to try to lead you further down the path here to do their bidding all the more because then they will teach you the secret of this initiation this grand initiation into the higher realms the higher worlds where you can have these experiences these outside of normal physical consciousness experiences within a dreamlike state still have full autonomy in that dream state kind of like a lucid dreaming type idea in a sense uh, I guess that would probably be the best description I could give of such a thing because they claim that you'll have conscious control and recollection of the things you do in this dream state and the, the, the places you visit and this kind of thing. So this is the claim that's made. There may or may not be truth to it. Hard to say. But anyway, let's keep that in the back of our minds as to what is the true nature of initiation at least according to many of the secret schools here, and this would be according to the theosophists primarily, and, uh, you know, Steiner had studied with the theosophists, taken some of their ideas and developed them into his own anthroposophy. So let's, let's continue the reading, though. The methods of initiation lead man away from the state of ordinary day consciousness into a condition of the soul during which he makes use of spiritual organs of observation. The embryos of these organs are dormant in each soul, and for their development require cultivation. Now it may come to pass that a person at some definite point of his earthly career makes the discovery for himself of the development of these higher organs within his soul, and in such cases we have to do with a kind of self-awakening. Such a person will become conscious of a change affecting his entire being. His soul's experiences will have been enriched beyond measure. He will then find that no experience gained in the exterior world has at any time possessed the power of so spiritualizing and satisfying his condition of being, of suffusing it with such a sense of inner warmth, as does this experience to which he has now obtained access, invisible though it may be to the physical eye and eluding the physical touch. From this spiritual world, power and a sense of life security will flow in upon him, strengthening his will. So I'm going to pause for a second there, folks. Self-initiation. You don't need to join the group to have an initiation experience. And many of us, especially within the course of the past several years here, I think by and large have experienced a type of an initiatory process where now all of a sudden we have the eyes to see, so to say, these spiritual senses, you inherently know something is spiritually wrong. You inherently are able to detect something's wrong. You understand the true nature of what's going on. You can't explain exactly how, but you could smell when something's burning in the kitchen, uh, to use one of Crow's idioms here. Uh, you recognize, wait a minute, that doesn't pass the sniff test. This is a type of a spiritual sense that's born of the idea of initiation. 
of true initiation, not the synthetic initiation handed you by the secret schools that will put you through this same ritual process over and over again for each and every degree and, and step up their ladder of initiation, their, their ladder of uh, degrees that they have within their various orders. This is all contrived. Okay, all these rituals, all these ceremonies they put together to initiate a brother into a certain degree, to a certain office within the order, these are all synthetic types of initiation. Artificial. They've created and crafted these initiation processes, these rituals, these ceremonies, for the purpose of, you know, maybe trying to awaken something latent within the initiate himself. But it's contrived. It doesn't come about in a natural way. So it's kind of trying to be forced. And that's not how alchemy works, folks. That's not how the occult sciences or the alchemical sciences, metaphysics, if you want to call it that way, true metaphysics, it does not function in that way. It's something that is individual. Each and every individual has a different experience. And each and every individual has their own point where they reach, where they get there. So that being the case, this is not a true way to do things. You're not going to get a true initiation experience by just going through the pomp and circumstance of the ceremony down at the Masonic Lodge. That's not how it works. That's not a true awakening of the soul. That's contrived. It's artificial. It's man-made. They use a formula. They, they wrote it down, their various ceremonies and rituals that they practice for the initiation process of the various degrees. And they follow these verbatim for initiate after initiate. Even though this is not a natural way to do things because every individual experiences things differently. Everyone gets certain concepts at certain points that others may not. It should be an individualized thing, and it's not. It's a one-size-fits-all initiation ritual that they use, and this is the very definition of synthetic. So it's, it's not a natural kind of training, so to say, in this way, or a natural type of uh, process to allow somebody to awaken their soul or to have their spirit awaken and become aware of various things, to have some of this sensory perception that goes beyond our regular five physical senses. There are instances of such self-initiation, but they should not give rise to the belief that the only right course is to wait for the coming of such self-initiation and to abstain from doing aught in the way of regular training with a view to bringing about initiation. We need not here give further space to the subject of self-initiation for the very reason that it takes place spontaneously as it were, and without regard to rules of any kind whatsoever. And I'm going to pause for a moment there, folks. So you see, although Steiner acknowledges and admits that, yes, these self-initiations happen, and it seems to be part of a natural cycle of things, it's not a good idea to wait around for, the for this to spontaneously happen. That it's a better idea to train people for it, and maybe that's what some of the initial intention was behind some of these secret mystery schools and secret society groups in order to teach people about the, this or that kind of thing. Try to lead them in the right direction in a subtle way. 
But that's not what it's become, has it? But at any rate, let's continue reading here. What we have here to consider is how training may develop those rudimentary organs of the soul destined as instruments for the higher perception. Those who do not feel themselves specially impelled toward doing something for their own development may easily say that man stands under the guidance of spiritual powers, that such guidance should therefore not be interfered with, and that the moment deemed by those powers the right one for revealing to the soul another world should be awaited in patience. Indeed, persons who are of this opinion are inclined to deem it a kind of presumption or unjustifiable curiosity for anyone to interfere with the wisdom of such spiritual guidance. And I'm going to pause for a moment there, folks. So you see Steiner is also upholding the idea that, uh, you know, maybe the natural, spontaneous initiatory process is beneficial for some people and good for some people. But let's see what else he says. Let's continue reading. Such as are of this way of thinking will change their opinion only if some other mode of presenting the case makes a sufficiently strong impression on them. If they were to say to themselves, Yonder wise guidance has endowed me with certain faculties, and has done so not that I should let them be idle, but rather that I should use them. Indeed, the very wisdom of such guidance lies in the fact of its having placed in me the rudiments of those organs necessary for the higher state of consciousness. I can therefore rightly comprehend this guidance only when I regard it as my duty to do everything in my power that may serve to bring such rudimentary growths to their proper development. Should such thoughts make a sufficiently strong impression on the mind, Doubts as to the rightfulness of such training for the attainment of the higher consciousness will disappear. Going to pause there, folks. Steiner then goes on to say here that uh, guidance and training towards this goal of the spontaneous initiation, when it does occur, the student will not regard any of that training as being something negative or unnecessary. He'll say that this was what led him to his soul awakening, the guidance, the training. Do you see the contradiction here? It's either you're ready or you're not. You get it or you don't. It awakens in you spontaneously. It's admitted here, but yet they still will recommend we've got to give the training. We've got to do the ceremonies, the ritual. We've got to take them down the path because this will somehow prepare the spiritual senses when it really doesn't seem to do anything unless the student's ready, unless the student already has some type of rudimentary spiritual type sense. So this seems to be a misnomer, doesn't it? It seems to be a justification for the secret society groups training people in this way, putting them through the rituals, the ceremonies, taking the initiation processes, taking the secret oaths, swearing the blood oaths, all of these things. But is that a true initiation? See, that's the whole thing here. That's the whole crux of the matter. What do they get from that? Now, Steiner claims that this will help to train these latent spiritual organs of sight and spiritual organs of sensation to come awake on their own at a later time. But is there really evidence of that? It's hard to say, but let's continue reading. 
There is, it's true, another scruple which may arise in the mind with regard to such schooling. A person might say to himself, This development of the inner faculties of the soul means a dire invasion of man's most hidden sanctuary. It involves a certain change of the entire human being. The means of such a change cannot be evolved by any ordinary procedure of thought, for the manner in which such higher worlds are attained can be known only to those whom the path has become visible by reason of experience. If, therefore, I turn to such a one, I am allowing him to exercise his influence over the innermost sanctuary of my soul. Any one given to this attitude of mind will hardly find it reassuring if the means for inducing such states of higher consciousness are imparted to him in book form. For it is not a question of receiving communications either verbally or from some person who, having the knowledge, has set the same down in a book to which we have access. Now there are people possessing a knowledge of the rules for developing the spiritual organs of perception who are of the opinion that these rules ought not to be entrusted to a book. These people, for the most part, look upon the communication of certain truths relating to the spiritual world as inadmissible. But this view must be characterized as, in a certain sense, out of date, in view of the present stage of human evolution. It is true that the communication of the rules referred to can be made only up to a certain point. Yet what is imparted leads so far that one who applies to his soul life makes such progress in knowledge that he is able to go on by himself. Going to pause for a moment there, folks. So what Steiner's saying here is in regard to the modern age in which we're living in, that maybe some of these ideas of training people to awaken their spiritual organs of perception through secret society groups and stuff may have been a good idea in the past, but in the present state, it's not necessary that the student can go on on his own. Do you understand what's being said here? Essentially, the whole notion is these initiatory ceremonies and different types of rituals that are done in these secret societies, they're not necessary. The training by the secret societies for this type of initiation, this type of soul awakening, are not necessary because the student is either going to get it or he's not going to get it. Either he's going to experience this awakening because... That's what it is, folks. It's experiential. Each and every individual experiences it on their own and experiences it differently and develops these different types of abilities, these spiritual senses and stuff on their own, to their own degree. And it's not necessary for some type of secret brotherhood to guide the initiate because it's the initiate's experience not the secret society's experience. But you see, this is another way where they use people. They use people. They manipulate people. If you are a mystic or somebody that has some type of this experience, they use you for your abilities, for your intuitions, your ability to see through the symbology, your ability to have that sense 
where you could tell just by looking at something if it's correct or incorrect. Now, some people have more developed senses like this than others, where you might be able to discern exactly what's wrong with something or exactly what's out of place with something without having any type of physical foreknowledge of it. But then there's some people who just have the inkling, the intuition. Something doesn't set right with them, and they realize it. This is a type of what they would call spiritual perception as well. It's just a matter of how far have you developed that? How, how much attention have you paid to that intuition, to those different intuitions you have? Do you trust your gut feeling? That's what a lot of this is about. It's about that more so than anything. It's about being able to discern what's correct and what's not. And they don't want people discerning for themselves. They want to guide them down the path of proper discernment or what they view as proper discernment. Because, see, it's all about furthering the goals of the Brotherhood, of the secret society group, and of the people at the topmost levels of those secret society groups. Those dark occultists that run things in this world, they'll tell you what to believe and what to act upon, what to discern as true and not, right? So that's the whole concept here. But Steiner's telling us, yeah, that's really not necessary, so, let's continue reading here. The way then leads onward in a manner which a true idea can be gained only through what has been previously experienced. From all these facts, scruples may arise about the path to spiritual knowledge. Such doubts, as have here been brought forward, vanish as soon as we clearly apprehend the nature of a process of development for which, in our present generation... The school of training here inculcated is more particularly adapted. This method is here to be spoken of, while other schools will also be briefly referred to. And I'm going to pause for a moment there, folks. I think Steiner may be referring to his anthroposophic thought here, as far as the training that he's referring to, these the school. And he may refer to maybe some Rosicrucian-type tr training in this regard as well. Let's see what he says. The training now to be dealt with places in the hand of him who may possess the will to undertake his own higher development, such means as will enable him to set about that work of transformation. Any questionable encroachment on the personality of the student would only then be possible should the teacher proceed to carry out the change by methods which withdraw the consciousness of the pupil. But no true teacher of occult science in our day would make use of any such method, by which, indeed, the pupil would be reduced to a blind tool. And I'm going to pause for a moment there, folks. So do you understand what Steiner's saying here? Let me break it down for you. So he's saying a questionable encroachment on the personality of the student would only then be possible should the teacher proceed to carry out the change by methods which withdraw the consciousness of the pupil. Do you know what kind of methods these are that would withdraw the consciousness of the pupil? Well, this would be what we oftentimes refer to as the initiation ceremonies and rituals that are done by secret society groups. Not only that, they're the trauma-based initiation processes that are done by the secret society groups. 
They're also utilized as a method of mind control. Sometimes they perform mass rituals, trauma-based initiation rituals, like 9-11, like the COVID PSYOP, and various others, like the possible inculcation of World War III that we see approaching. These are all trauma-based tools of initiation to lead a student's mind in a certain direction. And this is an encroachment upon the personality of the student. This does not lead to a true free will principle. It does not lead to a person being trained, so to say, or having this experience, this initiatory experience of their own, in their own way, of pursuing spiritual things in their own way, of gaining spiritual knowledge in their own way. That's not what's being done here. It's an encroachment on them. And as Steiner says here, this is no way that any teacher of occult science would conduct themselves. They would not do this to others. But what do the secret society groups of today do? What do these dark occultists that run things here do? Well, they perform these trauma-based rituals in order to inculcate a certain response from the masses, to give them a certain initiatory experience, a negative one, where they need to be led around by the nose, where they don't quite understand what they're experiencing or what's going on. All they know is they recognize it as being negative or bad. And this is what has become of the initiatory process. It's been so completely inverted and perverted from what the idea originally was here, as Steiner expounded upon here. But he says that this reduces the initiate into a blind tool. Are you a blind tool? I, sh I sure don't want to be a blind tool. I know a lot of people that are blind tools out there. <laughs> you know, the most basic sense. They, they just don't have a friggin' clue about anything. They have no spiritual sense whatsoever. They just take what's spoon-fed to them by their television and believe it and act upon it without question. The good little NPCs of the world, right? <laughs> that's that. That's the topic for another day. Uh, we've covered the NPC topic here as well, but uh, we could explore that a little further on a future show. But let's continue reading here. The teacher gives his pupil instructions as to the rules of conduct he is to pursue, and he leaves it to the pupil to carry them out. At the same time, should the case seem to demand it, the teacher does not withhold the reasons justifying these rules of conduct. The acceptance of the rules and their application by a person seeking spiritual development need not be a matter of blind belief. Such a belief ought to be quite out of the question in this sphere. One who studies the nature of the human soul as far as it can be followed by ordinary self-observation without occult training may, after accepting the rules recommended by spiritual training, ask himself, how do these rules act in the life of the soul? This question may be satisfactorily answered before any training by a dispassionate use of common sense. Before these rules are adopted... True conceptions may be gained as to the way in which they operate, 
Of course, the process can be experienced only during training, but even then, the experience will always be accompanied by an understanding of the experience, if each step that is to be taken is tested by sound judgment. And for the present, true spiritual science will only suggest such rules for training as can be vindicated by sound judgment. Those who have the will to surrender to these conditions of confidence only, and who by no manner of predisposing prejudice are inclined to surrender in blind faith, will find all doubts passed from them, and objections brought against a regular course of training with the aim of attaining to higher states of consciousness will no longer disturb them. So I'm going to pause for a second there, folks. So Steiner is saying here that if you apply sound judgment and common sense to some of the rules that are presented by the teacher to you, after a certain amount of time, you'll understand that uh, this is a proper way to be taught or a proper type of training to undergo and that you won't be disturbed by this after said amount of time. Now, that's only if this is somebody that's teaching you the proper rules or telling you the proper rules and then leaving it to you to determine for yourself, to discern for yourself how those rules apply. And then through the application of common sense, then and only then can the teacher be judged to be accurate or not. And that is the point here. So he's saying anybody who's a true teacher of the occult sciences here to a student won't try to initiate them in such a way as is done by the various secret society groups. It's an experiential thing. You, you don't coerce somebody. You don't force somebody's hand into this type of thing. And yes, I understand those that enter into these secret society groups and stuff. They take the initiation ritual of their own free will for the most part, but they're often coerced or they're peer pressured into it and they, or they do it for the wrong reasons. And that's largely what's been done with this, how it's been twisted, perverted into other things. And also, they undergo the same process, which is not the natural course of things. It's not the natural way things work. Everybody has a different experience, an individual experience. The initiation process that the secret society groups bring about is not an individual experience. It's the same exact formula for each and every one. It's the same ritual, right down to the same stupid lines being said over and over again. The, it's repeated, the repetition of the ceremony. It's been turned into something that's not helpful to somebody having this soul awakening, which is what the orig original definition of initiation is. Let's continue reading. Even such people as may have arrived at the state of inward maturity, a maturity which sooner or later would lead to the self-awakening of the spiritual organs of perception, even for such as these, training is by no means superfluous. On the contrary, training is specially adapted for them. For there are but few cases in which personal initiation has not to travel along torturous and devious ways, and training spares them the traversing of such bypaths, leading them forward in the direct line. 
In cases where such self-initiation comes to a soul, the reason is that this degree of ripeness had already been attained to in the course of a previous incarnation. Going to pause there, folks. So Steiner's saying, even for somebody that undergoes this self-initiation, they have this soul awakening of sorts that they recognize in themselves. It doesn't hurt them to go through the training process because the training process will help them to avoid the pitfalls of such a self-initiation, and therefore that will help them to advance more quickly, supposedly. And it says here that also in cases where the self-initiation comes to a soul, the reason that this degree of ripeness, as he puts it, has already been attained in the course of previous incarnations. So he's claiming that within previous incarnations, uh, maybe you had advanced spiritually in some of the spiritual sciences or learned some of the occult secrets or this kind of thing. And now in your current incarnation, this will manifest in this way of a self-initiation process. Which, like I said, there's no way to prove or disprove these things. And it all has to be taken with a grain of salt. But keep in mind, the whole crux of the matter here is there's the original definition of initiation, and this would be a soul awakening, a spontaneous type of soul awakening under which a person experiences this type of growth in themselves, where they start to perceive things on a spiritual level around them and have this almost extrasensory type perception, this intuition when something doesn't seem right, and this could be developed out in various ways. So this is what initiation is supposed to be. That's what the true original intent of it was. But what the secret society groups have done is they've taken it, they've modeled it into a prefabricated ritual that they put each and every member through, and they make them take blood oaths, swearing allegiance to their order, and swearing to uphold the secrets of the order and never to reveal the secrets of the order and to serve the greater good of this order. So they've taken the idea of initiation and they've weaponized it against their own members, turned it into a control tool for their own members, and they use it as a carrot to lure or entice people towards their teachings for the outside members do you understand what's become of the idea of initiation here and how far it's veered off course from what its original intention was? And even within a lot of these teachings, even those who have some of the uh, most astounding types of perceptions here of spiritual things, like Steiner, he still seems to think the idea of training somebody is a good idea. And I don't necessarily disagree with him if somebody has that spiritual type sense if they've had this awakening process begin within them and they need guidance well that's a different story this is an individual type thing it's an individual process maybe they should have a mentor or something and i think that's what steiner's alluding to here but i don't think the one size fits all narrative that's given by the various secret society groups the initiation processes and stuff like that they do I don't think that's the way that this will benefit anybody. The only ones it benefits are those at the top of the power structure, just like everything else. It's all about those ones at the very tippy top 
of the control system, of the power structure, those ones at the top of the power pyramid of this world that become the beneficiaries of having these various people go through their particular type of training within these secret society groups. And what do they train them to do within these different secret society groups? Once you've been, quote-unquote, initiated through this synthetic initiation that they give you, what do they train you to do? They train you, first and foremost, to keep secrets, to help your fellow brother within the lodge in any way you can, even to the point of concealing if they had murdered somebody. Yes, folks, that's true within the certain groups of the Freemasonic orders. If you know somebody has done wrong and they, they reach out to you for help and you're a fellow Mason, say they've uh, actually undergone some terrible crime, committed some terrible crime, well, you swore a blood oath to the order and you will protect that fellow Mason from having repercussions from that. This is a true thing. Go ahead, look it up. <laughs> Go ahead. This has been done in the past. It's, it's recorded. It's a historical thing. It's a fact. Many have admitted this within uh, some of the higher echelons of the Freemasons. They'll cover for each other's crimes for the sake of the brotherhood, the greater good of the brotherhood. So you see, it's not all that it's cracked up to be, is it? Or how it's presented to you. So this this is one of the, the things, this is one of the reasons why they have you take these blood oaths. It's... A perversion, folks, an inversion of what it's supposed to be. The initiatory process, initiation, as it's originally defined here, is supposed to be a beautiful thing, an awakening of a soul, uh, an experiential thing that each individual has happened to themselves, wherein they're able to gain certain discernment of spiritual matters. And they've taken such a thing and weaponized it, turned it into a tool for leading people astray. And it's these dark occultists that run things at the top of the power structure, the ones at the very, very tippy-top of all these secret society groups. And yes, they all interlock and become the same order at the very top levels of it. This is what we would traditionally call the Illuminati. In the modern parlance here, that's how they refer to themselves even at points. But... This is what goes on. This is how it's done. This is how they lead many people astray. Chasing after the secrets that they never give them. That's the big secret. The big secret is there is no secret at the topmost levels of the secret society groups. It's all about controlling the underlings. That's what it's about. That's where in their true power base lies. They'll tell you one thing. They'll lead you down this ritual process which weakens your mind. Insights violent images in your mind trauma-based images and what do we know that's a, that's a, a show i might do sometime soon looking at trauma-based mind control another time uh, to see how it utilize it's utilized against the masses but this is what they do this is what they've always done in many of these secret society groups they've taken the original ideas inverted them perverted them into something that allows them control over other people because that's what it's about it's about power see these people in these groups have become power hungry and it's all about leading around the lower level echelons of these different orders 
steering them in the direction that the one that's higher up wants. And it goes, it trickles down the line, just like any other pyramid scheme, doesn't it? Then again, a special degree of soul development may, in some persons, lie concealed up to a particular age, only then revealing itself, and in such cases, training may be the very means needed to call forth its appearance. Should the person then hold aloof from such training, it may then be that the power will remain dormant during the term of life, and only reassert itself in the course of future incarnations. So I'm going to pause for a second there, folks. So once again, holding up the idea that, uh, well, yeah, maybe you just spontaneously had this awakening because in a previous life, you had some type of uh, soul experience or soul awakening, soul training, uh, whatever they want to call it. And that's why you're having it. But, you know, if you ignore it and don't seek out training, well, it might become latent then and become dormant and then nothing will come of it. And you won't be able to do anything with that new spiritual gift until your next go around in this place. You see, so they, they want to try to entice you to take up the training in various forms. And there may be some true teachers out there, one-to-one -one with a student that might actually teach in a meaningful way. But uh, by and large, you're not going to find that in a secret society group for the most part. And this is where they want you to go, because they want you to believe they're the ones that have all the occult secrets they could teach you and lead you down this path the correct way. And it's a farce. It truly is a farce. Let's continue reading. The uplifting to a higher state of consciousness can only proceed from a condition of ordinary waking day consciousness. It is in this consciousness that the soul lives prior to its uplifting, and training will endow it with the means which lead to a transcending of such consciousness. The training to be first noticed advises in the first instance such measures as may still be taken during ordinary waking consciousness. Indeed, those methods which are the most significant consist in quiet acts performed by the soul. This requires that the soul should give itself up to particular conceptions, and these conceptions are such as are able by their very nature to exercise an awakening power over certain hidden faculties of the inner nature of man. They thereby differ from these conceptions of the waking daily life, the object of which, in the first instance, is of another kind, namely that of presenting external objects. The more faithfully they present these things, the truer they are. It is indeed in accordance with their nature that they should be true in this sense, but this is not the mission of those conceptions which the soul is to consider when its object is the pursuit of spiritual training, and they are therefore so formed as not to present anything external, having rather within themselves the power to act upon the soul. These presentments are emblematic or symbolic. And I'm going to pause there, folks. And that sounded like a whole lot of word salad, didn't it? <laughs> so let me break down what Steiner's saying there. Essentially, what he's saying is our outer senses, our, our daily waking consciousness, is all about our brain, our, our mind in the form of the brain, being able to comprehend external objects to ourselves or, or things external to ourselves and internalize it. Whereas this soul development or the soul consciousness 
it all comes from within and tries to express outwardly. So it's complete opposite here. And many times it says here the presentments are emblematic or symbolic. So the soul, soul consciousness, will express itself in symbolism or identify itself through symbolism, through the ability to comprehend symbolism and communicate through symbolism rather than through physical means like just regular talking see there's a subcontext here there's a subcontext here as we experience life in our waking consciousness we experience it through our five senses here in this physical place and it's about seeing experiencing external things from ourselves and internalizing them as opposed to within the soul consciousness the idea of the soul consciousness is allowing us to project outward thing spiritual things from ourselves into the rest of the outside world and seeing reflections of that back to ourselves through hidden symbolic languages of sorts or through the the science of symbology through symbolism through emblems symbols being able to have a recognition of symbols you see this is why they use secret communications they're not really secret it's just they they understand something at a deeper level and we all experience this at a certain degree or another uh, with different archetypes which are presented in symbols we experience that we experience that on the level of the soul which is why it's so profound when you look at that when you look at the idea of the archetype we recognize it on this spiritual this soul level this soul consciousness state we recognize it from that but we can't make heads or tails of it necessarily in our physical day-to-day senses our waking consciousness but we get this impression and it affects us in some way that's why they use symbols mythology archetype because it affects your unconscious mind or what would be your soul consciousness your unconscious mind is your soul consciousness do you get it and that's what initiation is about it's about awakening this unconscious part of our mind this soul consciousness and recognizing it for what it is so that when we're affected by such things we understand what's going on your soul perceives things on a different level than your physical body or your physical brain that's where there's a big distinction between mind and brain right so we have these experiences and with these experiences we undergo this type of initiatory process the unconscious mind is actually your soul consciousness and that is why you will recognize things like archetypes and symbols on a certain level and it's only through what they call initiation what the original intention of the initiation process was that you could maybe develop these intuitions we have in the soul consciousness or unconscious mind on a conscious level to where you could recognize things for what they are on a conscious level rather than just having that nagging feeling in your gut that something's not right and this is what 
is talked about here with the soul science. But anyway, I'm going to go ahead and continue reading here, and then I'm probably going to wrap it up very soon. Yet other conceptions may be used, for it does not depend at all on what conceptions contain, but solely on the fact that the soul puts forth all its power in order to in order not to have anything in the consciousness except the conception in question. Whereas in the ordinary life of the soul, its forces are divided among many things and the conceptions rapidly change. The important point in spiritual training is the concentration of the whole inner life on one conception. And this conception must be voluntarily brought to the center of the consciousness. Symbolic conceptions are better than those which reflect outer objects or events, because the latter are in touch with the outer world, and the soul has to depend less on itself than in the case of symbolic conceptions formed out of its own inner energy. The chief object at which to aim is the intensity of the force to be exercised by the soul. It is not what is before the soul that is essential, but the greatness of the effort and the length of time during which it is concentrated on one conception. Strength ascends from unknown depths of the soul from which it has drawn up it by concentration on one conception. Occult science contains many such all of which have been proved to possess the power alluded to above. And I'm going to pause for a second there, folks. So essentially, things conceived within yourself, your inner self, from within and expressed outwardly, it's all about the energy you put behind that, essentially, is what's being said here. The intensity put behind it. The, the more you concentrate on a concept derived from within yourself and focus on that, the more powerful the effect on the external world, rather than focusing on something external and putting all your presence or energy behind that. And isn't this what uh, the secret society groups and the dark occultists that run things in this world do to us all the time? They direct our focus onto something external to us, an external object or source, and they have us focus our attention and our energies on that. And when we do so, it gives power to that thing. The power of intention. You see how they, they draw your intention, your attention, your will, towards this other thing. And this is the whole basis of the concept of what we would call a talisman. The idea of a talisman. It's a focus point for you to express your energy or attention to an external object which takes on this focus, this energy from you. That's what a talisman is. And they use all of these different ideas as talismans of sort, especially these big events, these big ritual events, these trauma-based ritual events that they perform. When you focus on that, you're giving your energy to that talisman and further empowering the talisman and it works in a similar fashion to what is often referred to as the law of attraction at that point, where it draws more and more power to itself then, and draws away from you, vampirizes your energy, your focus, from focusing on something more substantial from within yourself, giving attention to that which is within yourself. These impressions, these intuitions that come from within yourself, not from some external source, 
but trusting in those intuitions and putting your focus into those intuitions. That's what's supposed to be done, but uh, they, they always draw our attention away because they don't want us to understand that we have certain powers within ourselves that we can focus on, that we can understand things on a better level if we just look inward rather than outward. They always want us looking outward towards the external, external source. They want us to put our blame on an external source. Thus, that's why we have the scapegoat, the president, this person, this figure, this political figure, wherein we could put all of our problems on him, focus our energy on him. Same thing with all of this stuff. It's all about focusing on the external rather than taking back our power and focusing internally on ourselves, changing ourselves. The only mind in this world you could change, folks, is your own. That's a huge key to understanding things. You can't make somebody do something you want them to do. You can't force somebody to do something like that. It's all about free will. The only mind you can change is your own. That's one of the big secrets here. But it's one they don't want you to understand. In order to make changes to the larger world, the external world, first, you have to make changes within yourself to reflect outwardly to the rest of the world. That's the whole key point here. Be the change you want to see in the world. And then that projects outwardly from within your soul and becomes a reflection in the external. But see, they don't want you to understand that or realize that. They want you to focus only on the external things and then internalize those and then become that very thing that they've handed you in the external fashion here. Do you see? But you have the power to do something about that. And they don't want you to know that. They don't want you to know that one person can indeed change the world if they're serious about it, if they're focused on it, if they make those changes to themselves and stay true to that, stand firm in their convictions, then they'll start to see more reflections of that externally. This is a concept that they really don't want the masses to catch on to. Because if they do, it's game over for these dark occultists who run things in this world. They don't want people to realize they have the power to change themselves, and in so changing themselves, they change the world. You see? But how many times have you heard somebody say, ah, it doesn't much matter, what are we going to do about it? You know, what could I do about it? I can't do anything about it. That's, you know, nothing. nothing's going to change because I said something about it or did something about it. Well, that's the attitude that keeps us bound in this type of a mindset. And it's certainly not helpful. But yeah, the only way to really make a change is to change ourselves. One at a time. And like I said, in making that change, stand true to your convictions. Stand true to your intentions. And keep focusing and concentrating on that. That's what Steiner was trying to uh, communicate here. It's about the intensity of the force exercised by the soul towards something like this. Something that comes from within. Changing yourself from within and then sending that out into the greater world by focusing on this thing.
on maybe living your convictions, making that change within yourself, recognizing what needs to be changed within yourself and doing it. Set the example. Then, and only then, can the world be changed, one at a time. That's how it's got to be done. Only you could decide to make that change. Each and every person. It's an individual process. It's an individual experience. It's what the true initiation of nature is all about. Initiative. It gives you initiative. Do you see? Initiation, initiative. Same root words. Same root words. It's about making that change within yourself and then having that reflect back in the outside world rather than the outside world feeding into you and changing you from the outside. Because that's what will happen if you don't focus from inside yourself and send out your intention from yourself to the external world. You will internalize the external world and it will change you. So it's got to be one way or the other. So do we make a change within ourselves and then externalize that out as a reflection back to us? And in so doing, we affect maybe the small sphere of influence that we have. And other people see something positive about you, something different about you, and maybe start to look inwardly at themselves and make some small changes in themselves. And it usually comes just small changes at a time, folks. It's all part of the experience. It's all part of the growth process. When we recognize, hey, you know what? I haven't been living up to my full potential in this way or that way. Or I haven't been, you know, the, the most honest with myself about this or that. And you have to decide to make a change. And when you do make that change, then people start to notice. And then slowly, over time, you turn... You know, you make more and more changes until one day you wake up and you realize, you know what, I'm not the same person that I was five years ago. Not even close. That's where I'm at, folks. I mean, me personally, I can tell you, I'm not the same man that I was five years ago. So many things have been open to my sight in this world over the course of the past five years. It's, it's just, it's, it's unbelievable. It feels like a whole lifetime ago. It really, truly does. It's just astounding, the doors that have been opened for me. It's, it's, it's astounding. And I thank God every day. I thank God every day for that experience. And it's something we could all have. And it all starts with making a change within yourself for the better. And we can do that. And like I said, I know it sounds kind of hokey, but that's the whole crux of the matter. It's an absolute truth of natural science. That's what we have to do is within yourself, begin within yourself and project outward from yourself to the external world, that change that you want to see in the world. Only then will things change rather than just the way we've been programmed in society. The way we've been programmed in society is to look at things in the external world, the outside world, and internalize them in ourselves. And what do we see all the time in the external world? especially through media, violence, death, destruction, chaos. Turn on the news. What does it look like? It's always bad news, right? 
It's always this stuff. Always these negative things. And we internalize those negative things. And it turns us negative when we do that. So we need to tune that out and start making the change in ourselves and being that thing that we want to see in the world. And it starts with each and every one of us. And that's how we make a true change. That's the secret of occult science. The big secret here, the secret of initiation. These synthetic initiations that the secret society groups have given people are more of the same thing that were handed by media. It's all about initiating somebody into this same process, this same ceremony, ritual, a trauma-based ritual, which causes them to internalize that trauma and act out that trauma in the world. And it's the same trauma handed to everybody. It's the one-size-fits-all principle. Same thing with the television. You turn on the news. It's the same news you're going to see on one network or another network. It's the same news that everybody who tunes into those networks sees. The idea is not necessarily something customized to each person or the interpretation customized to each person. It's the one-size-fits-all interpretation handed to everybody. And it doesn't always have the same effect on everybody, but it usually resonates with people in a way which leads to negative outcomes when done like that. Because the way that you're supposed to awaken is an individual experience, as we've discussed here. So that being the case, we could understand now a little bit of what initiation was supposed to be and what initiation has become by these secret society groups and these dark occultists who run things that like to use trauma-based mind control weaponry against the public to initiate them into a process here of internalizing these external things that they've given you and making you more controllable in that way by using negative emotions like fear to affect you that's what it's about. And when we recognize that, that this is a synthetic idea, it's an abused idea, it's, it's a twisting of the natural workings of things. Initiation was a natural process originally, intention-wise. It's one that's different for every person. It's an awakening that's different for every person. It leads to different, um, you know, levels of awareness for certain people. And everyone's different. And that's a beautiful thing, right? Well, they've taken it, weaponized it, turned it into this synthetic version of it, and have used it in weaponized form for the purposes of control of others. It's all about power. That's what's been done. It's been corrupted in the name of maintaining power over others. That's what's been done here. So when we're talking about the idea of synthetic initiation, that's what all the secret society groups hand you. That's what all these occult fraternities hand you. All these secret brotherhoods, these dark magicians, all of these magicians out there who are making you promises. All these political parties and allegiances that you, you give your allegiance to. Same thing. It's all a synthetic initiation of sorts designed to vampirize your energies. 
It's not about uplifting you in any way, shape, or form. It's the complete opposite of what initiation was intended to be, what its original definition was. And that's the whole point here tonight. But we could change that. We could change that. And that's the the most important part of it. By making small changes within ourselves. Be the change you want to see in the world. That's the message here. And when you do that, you'll begin to notice that more people around you and more things around you begin to change for the better. That's how it works. It sounds a little bit simple, or overly simple, I should say. But that's truly how it works. So that's that's the bottom line here. And I, I don't think that these secret society groups are doing anybody any favors by claiming that uh, you could take their initiation, become a member of their order, and become a better man because of it. Isn't that what uh, Freemasonry promises? A good man becomes a better man when he becomes a Freemason. Right? <laughs> that's one of their mottos or something similar to that. Uh, I paraphrased there, but that's the whole point. They, they lure people in by making you believe that uh, they could help you to become someone better. And maybe some of them can, to a certain degree, help you along that path. But it's an individual experience. And by and large, you're not going to find that experience. You're not going to find that good process through a secret society. Just because of the nature of what it is that they've become. It's all, it's all about power. That's what they're all about. Not about the uplifting of their fellow human beings. It's about maintaining control or power over other human beings. And they may tell you otherwise. They'll say that they're a fraternal brotherhood that uh, does all this good stuff for the community and stuff like that. That's an external sod. Underneath it all, at the topmost levels, these secret society groups are about control, manipulation, power over others. And the strings of those groups are, are pulled by a very small percentage of people at the top of the power structure. But we could choose not to participate in that. And we could choose not to be affected as much by that by making some changes for ourselves. Taking personal responsibility for ourselves. Taking back our personal sovereignty and making changes for the better within ourselves and living out those changes in our day-to-day -day life. Standing up for your convictions, standing in those convictions, and being consistent about it. That's how you could effectuate change in the world, and that's what we all need to do. So, that was the whole point of initiation, is to make a better change within yourself. That's what it's for. Not about, uh, you know, gaining occult secrets from some mystic brotherhood somewhere. That's not what the truth of it is. So, that that's the point here. But anyway, I wanted to thank you all for tuning in tonight. And we'll catch you next time. Have a good night now.
Introducing the new home for free speech, Free World FM, the alternative to the alternative. Keep on talking in the free world. That's freeworld.fm. Coming soon.